The following audio presentation is from Parkwood Baptist Church. The purpose of Parkwood Baptist Church is to glorify God by laboring together for the growth of all believers while going with the gospel to all peoples. More information about Parkwood Baptist Church is available at parkwoodonline.org. That's parkwoodonline.org. Brothers and sisters, it is not right that you are not here. But this is what is right. He is not here. He is not here for he is risen. Luke 24, he is not here but he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. Today, we celebrate the swallowing up of death. Today, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 50 through 58. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Pray with me. Father, we ask now on this resurrection morning, as we are scattered, unable to meet together, we pray that you would encourage our hearts with the reality, the truth, the promises that are contained here, that you have risen and that we too shall rise. So Lord, bless all who are listening. Pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ to be encouraged. I pray for those who are listening who have not yet found hope in the power of the resurrection of Christ that today they would go from unbelieving to believing. That you would bring about repentance and faith. Lord, do your work in us. Do the work of the power of the resurrection, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's the main idea today. All who are in Christ will be changed forever at his coming and share endlessly in his victory over death. For us to understand what's going on at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we need to go back to the very beginning. Let's begin by reading the first four verses. Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and which you stand and which, by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Here's what he's saying. There are those who believe and those who don't believe. Now, if you believe and trust the gospel, you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word, what is this gospel? For I delivered to you of first importance what I also received, that Christ 
died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. We, we looked and reviewed on Friday of how the scripture proclaimed that Christ would die and that he did, that he died in our place and that he was buried because he was dead, dead and that he was raised on the third day and this too in accordance with the scripture. Now Paul develops his argument here and he centers on the resurrection of Christ. If we move to verse 14. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. In other words, we're wasting our time this morning if the resurrection is not true. Verse 15, we're even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Everything hinges on the resurrection of Christ. And in fact, Christ has been raised. He is the first fruit. It's an illustration Paul uses here in chapter 15. He is the first fruit of a great harvest that is to come, a harvest of life that swallows up death. There are two main points I want us to see in verses 50 to 58 this morning. First, all who are in Christ will be changed forever at his coming. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. He's addressing the brothers and sisters. We, he says, He's addressing those who are in Christ, those who are trusting in Christ alone for their salvation. Here's what we know, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Now, flesh and blood represents what is corruptible, what is perishable. It does not mean this. It does not mean that your body is in and of itself is bad. It means that the corruptible The perishable cannot inherit the kingdom of God. The perishable is that which will fade away. That is what cannot inherit the imperishable, that which will never decay or never die. So for this to happen, what's got to transpire? A massive and miraculous change. Verse 51. Behold. Every time the Bible uses that word, it means pay attention, sit up, notice this. Behold, I tell you a mystery. So this was once hidden, now it's revealed, now it's seen. We shall not all sleep. This is a reference to death. C.S. Lewis said, 100% of us will die, and that percentage will never increase. We shall not all die or sleep. We shall all be changed. That word means a massive transformation. Something that is cataclysmic is going to take place. So when is this going to happen? Verse 52, in a moment. So as fast as you can blink your eyes right now, the twinkling of an eye means blinking, at the last trumpet, trumpet, So that means this is not going to be some kind of slow, 
gradual change. One of the one of the ugly things Facebook does to you is it brings up a picture from five or six years ago. And you go, wow, I've changed. Well, this is not something that's going to be slow and gradual that you don't notice. This is going to be in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when this trumpet sounds and this change will be both instant and lasting. Now, what's it going to entail? For the trumpet will sound, and this is a reference to the coming of Christ. Christ promised that he was coming. He came, he lived, he died, he was buried, and he resurrected, and he is now seated at the right hand of the Father, and he promises that he will come again. And when he comes, he will announce. It won't be a quiet coming to Bethlehem this time. It will be an earth-shattering moment when the trumpet sounds and all of mankind knows that Christ has entered. And at this moment, the dead will be raised. So every person who has been buried, every person who has died in Christ will be raised imperishable and we, all who are in Christ, shall be changed for this perishable body, that which was dying and decaying, must put on the imperishable, that which will never die or decay, and this mortal body, this body that was confined to this earth, must put on immortality. Now, here's what this means. That what happened to Jesus at the resurrection, on that resurrection Sunday, that will happen to us. Jesus appears to his disciples and he lets them know that it's really him. They think it's a ghost at first because the resurrection body is going to look different, but yet it looks the same in that he was distinguishable. They knew that it was him. He tells them to touch him. That means he had a body that they could touch. He asks for food, which he eats. So you're not going to be some kind of ghost. It's going to be a, a, a real body that is resurrected, but it is unlike any body that we now know. It is both imperishable and immortal. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul picks this up again and he says, For while we are still in this tent, he's re referring to the body, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Here's what I want you to think of with me. I want you to think of the most alive period of your life. Whatever that moment was, whatever that season was when you felt most alive. And let me say to you, that does not compare to the life that we are about to receive in Christ. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality. An English poet named John Donne wrote a famous poem, Death Be Not Proud. He was also uh, an Anglican priest. He wrote, Death be not proud, though some have called thee, mighty and dreadful, for thou art not so. 
one short sleep past. We wake eternally and death shall be no more. Death, thou shalt die. What was once marked by death and decay shall never again decline or die because all who are in Christ will share endlessly in his victory over death. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written. So the the new normal, the, the new permanent state of things have changed from perishable to imperishable, from mortal to immortality. The promise has been fulfilled in Christ. Death is swallowed up in victory. Here's the best image I can come up with. Maybe you can look one up later today of a sinkhole. I looked them up this week on, on YouTube of, of sinkhole swallowing up entire lakes, swallowing up clumps of trees, cars, buildings, gone forever, sucked up into the earth. But this is not a negative, destructive swallowing. This is a life-giving, positive swallowing that death is swallowed up, never to be seen again. He's quoting from Isaiah 25. He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth for the Lord has spoken. And the Lord has acted in Christ. Death is defeated. Verse 55. O death, where is your victory? O death, Where is your sting? Death is forever dealt a death blow. He's quoting here from Hosea chapter 13, verse 14. I shall ransom them from the power of Sheol. I shall redeem them from death. O death, where are your plagues? O Sheol, where is your sting? Compassion is hidden from my eyes. We both ransomed and redeemed, bought back and set free. We have been purchased by the Lord Jesus Christ and death and sin no longer have power over us. In love and compassion, in mercy, the Father sent his son, his, the, his only son to die in our place. Verse 56. The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. Now there are two word pictures here. First, the sting of death. Whether through a scorpion or some form of insect or animal, or today we could say through a syringe, something pierced the human body and inserted a lethal poison. And that lethal poison that has been released into every one of us is sin. It's deadly. And the wages of sin, the result of this sting, is death. That we all die. And then he says, the power of sin is the law. The way it courses through our body and the way it exerts its power is through the effect of the law. So what does that mean? That the law of God, that which God has commanded, that which God expects of us, it works two ways in our life. First, the law of God shows us that we break his law. That we are, in fact, sinners. It doesn't mean we're bad or a little bad or a little wrong or a little off or not as bad as others. That's not the comparison. 
that God is holy and God has spoken in his holy word as to what he expects of mankind. And that law reveals to us the sinfulness of our heart and our action, that we have, in fact, sinned. The second thing the law does, it shows us that though we delude ourselves to think we can keep the law, that we can measure up, that we can do enough good, that we can keep more of the law than we fail to keep, that we can add up into our account more of good works than bad works, here's what the law does. It still condemns us. That regardless, we know that we have broken God's law no matter how hard we attempt to keep it. But here's what we also know that the one who is the giver of life humbled himself to death. And on Friday, Jesus took the sting of death in our place. He took the lethal dose. The one who knew no sin, the one who had kept the law perfectly, the sinless sacrifice took what we deserved. He took the fullness of the poison for us and he died in our place. He broke the power of the law to condemn us by exchanging his righteousness for our unrighteousness. He died in our place and he rose again on the third day and he has broken the back of sin. And when he comes and he is coming, He will bring death to its final and complete end. Verse 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Gives is a present active. So here's what we're dealing in. This is a now and not yet. Christ has accomplished this through the power of the resurrection. He will fulfill it completely at his coming. He gives. This is his divine prerogative. This is only what only he can do. He gives us What he has done, Christ is victorious over sin and death, and he gives us this victory, and only through Christ the Lord. Here's the question we're all asking. When's the coronavirus going to end? When are things going to go back to normal? It is human nature to hate the unknown. It is human nature to long for answers, and it's human nature to blame someone else for our problems. I think it's good on some levels that we're all experiencing something that is beyond all of our control. So what do we do in the meantime? What do we do while we wait? Here's what we do, brothers and sisters. We wait in light of the resurrection. We wait in light of the hope that Christ is coming. Chad read earlier from Romans chapter 8. Let me back up in the text to verse 31. What shall we say to these things? What shall we say this morning on on the the morning of the resurrection while we we are kept apart from each other because of a virus? What shall we say? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is 
interceding for us. What a wonderful truth. He's not inactive as he awaits his coming. He's interceding for us. So who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword or COVID-19? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height or death nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We do not know when or how COVID-19 will be brought to an end, but we do know that all of sin and death has been brought to an end in the power of the cross and the resurrection and all of death will be swallowed forever at the coming of Jesus Christ. So both now and at his coming, here's what we know. Nothing, absolutely nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what does that mean to us today? So instead of a question, I'm gonna frame it as a truth. Because of the finished work of Christ, on the cross, the certainty of the resurrection from the dead and the sure promise that he will swallow up death at his coming. All who are in Christ press on until that day. So the real question before you is, are you in Christ? That's the question. Are you trusting in Christ alone for your salvation? If you are not, I implore you on this resurrection day to repent of your sin and turn to Christ. If you are trusting in Christ, I say to you, brothers and sisters, all who are in him will press on to that day. Verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brothers, so so Paul takes these incredible truths of the work of Christ and he brings it down to the day-to-day. Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor in your labor is not in vain. There is no day that seemed more desperate than the day right after the death of Christ. Imagine you're a disciple. Everything's lost. Everything that you staked your life on. I mean, you left your business, your livelihood, your family, and you followed this man, and he's dead. Everything seems lost to them. What what, what are they going to do? What what do they do next? Then then the third day comes. And according to the scripture, just as he said, Christ rose from the grave defeating death. We live in an uncertain time. But we know the truth of what has transpired. Christ is risen. Here's what we wait for. We wait for life. We wait for death to be swallowed up. We wait in the certainty that that death is going to be swallowed by life. So as a result, here's what we do. We give ourselves to him with unwavering devotion and an energy that is not our own. We press on for the sake of Christ, knowing that our labor for the Lord is not in vain. A lot of talk in the last couple of weeks about our heroes now, that our heroes are grocery store workers and truck drivers and healthcare providers. You know what our culture's figuring out? Here's what it's finding out, that greatness lies in service. 
That greatness lies in, in giving yourself away to other people. That's what Christianity's been teaching now for centuries. That, that we labor in the Lord and that our labor is not in vain. Here's what else this is teaching our culture. That we've been, we have found out that we've been trusting in false gods that have been swept out from underneath our feet. So I say to you, wake up, my friend. These difficult days should remind you that Christ is coming. That he one day at the sound of the trumpet is going to return and he is going to set all things right. So turn your hearts to him. Trust in Christ for his redeeming work on your behalf. To those of you who are trusting, here's what I say to you. Rest, my brothers and sisters. Rest. Rest and press on knowing that your day of true and lasting rest is coming where death will be no more, that life will swallow up death forever. Rest that Christ is your life. 2,000 years ago, Jesus drew a breath in the tomb. I say to you, draw a breath and live. Live. This has become normal. It's going to be normal for a while. It's how we're going to protect each other from death. You might mock at it and scoff at it. Make fun of it kind of funny that our culture is more afraid of how they look than what protects them. But here's a promise, brothers and sisters. There's a day coming. There's a day coming when with unveiled face we're going to see Jesus face to face. And that promise rests in the power of what we celebrate today, in the power of his resurrection, and the sure knowledge that Christ is coming and he's going to swallow death forever. Let's pray. Lord, we confess we see in a mirror dimly. We confess that we know in part but we also confess what we know, that Christ died for our sin according to the Scripture, that he was buried on the third day, he rose according to the Scripture. We know that we shall be fully known. We know that through Christ alone we shall see you face to face. So, Lord, on this Easter Sunday when we're scattered, wherever we are, turn our eyes to you. Turn our eyes to the hope of the gospel. We plead and we pray in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this audio presentation from Parkwood Baptist Church, located in Gastonia, North Carolina. Please feel free to share this message with others. For more information about Parkwood Baptist Church, visit parkwoodonline.org. That's parkwoodonline.org.